0: Hello there and welcome to a moment with Divine. I'm your host Divine Huff and I'm so excited to be here with you today. So last week it was just us and we talked about the importance of friendship. We learned research supporting that the more stuff mice have to do, the less likely they were to do drugs. We also learned that friendship can add years to your life and add quality to those years well this week we have a very intriguing guest lance bennett phd candidate at the university of iowa in communication studies and licensed minister we will talk about his studies on emotions and how they can be contagious major themes he has found in his research how and when he became a licensed minister his beliefs in energy religion in the black community creativity and more But first, let me give an introduction as to how I met Lance. We go to the same church, Bethel AME, here in Iowa City. Upon first hearing him preach, I knew this man had a gift. Not only did he evoke emotion from the congregation, but he also made us think and laugh while doing it. Every time I see Lance, he has an inviting smile on his face and he can't help but make you feel comfortable. He has a way with words and knowledge of the Bible that is profound. I am inspired by him to live more authentically while loving God and trusting that my path will roll out before me like a red carpet to success. Without further ado, I give you Lance Bennett. Lance, how are you?
1: Good. How are you? Thank you so much for having me.
0: I'm so excited that you're in the studio with me. That you found the place because it's like a maze down there. Indeed,
1: indeed it is. You know,
0: <laughs> and it's cold that you felt like coming all the way out here. So thank you for being here in present.
1: Not a problem, not a problem. I like your introduction. Now I have to live up to it.
0: <laughs> small potatoes, small potatoes. So I have a few questions for you. So let's get to it. All right. So, what are you up to now? Any new projects?
1: Uh, so, yes, yeah, so my research, uh, as you said, I study this construct called emotional contagion um it is a is a phenomenon in which basically explains how people experience the emotions of others um during social situations and so, as a communication scholar, um there is a limited amount of research in the field of communication. About it, and so uh, what I seek to do is study this construct in many different ways. Um, I guess the first thing, uh, and this is where the first project comes into play. Um, the first project looks at um, emotional contagion and social networks, right? So the fact that we're all connected um, uh, and the way in which we communicate one reflects the connections that we have with other folks, um, and vice versa. Right? And so uh, when we look at social networks, we can understand that uh, a person who is one or two or three degrees away from us can control or and not necessarily control but influence our behavior even if we don't know them. Mm. So that friend of a friend that you don't necessarily know may be able to influence your behavior and emotion uh, via the friend that you both mutually know. And so um, the first project just seeks to get at that question at a micro level. Social networks can be can be massive, right? They can be from, like, friends, they like, can be uh, nations, they can be um, organizations, they can be anything. But with this project, we looked at things at a dyadic level. And so it was a scenario study in which we gave participants a scenario about a student who's failing a midterm exam Um, you know, we told them that imagine your professor is giving back the midterm and this person, uh, whether we, uh, we had them either randomly assigned to either, uh, have the person who was reporting the story either be a best friend or an acquaintance. So either this best friend or an acquaintance whom you talk to either frequently or not so much at all was telling you their story, um, about failing a midterm. They have a 2.95 GPA. They need a 3.0 in order to stay in their major. They feel like they're going to get kicked out of their major. Um,
0: if you can see my face right now, my jaw just dropped.
1: <laughs> and so, uh, and we actually d- submitted this study to participants on campus around midterm time. So it's a scenario. So it had its limitations, but we wanted to try to make it as real as possible. And one way to capture that is to send, a, send it out around the midterm period when, you know, Reflecting when it feels real, when it feels real. Yeah. When, yeah, reflecting a scenario. And so um, so within that with that study, we found that uh, that the experience of emotional contagion, um, you know, if this person told you this, how would your emotions be altered, changed um, by talking to this person? They were it was greatest among those who were uh, had their best friend whom they talked to most frequently reporting the story. Right, so I think that ought to make some sense to us. Um, um, I think that, you know, those whom we are most closest to in our social networks have the greatest ability to infect our, and change our emotional states.
0: Wow. That is phenomenal.
1: Oh, thank you. That we,
0: that you're finding out that these things are, are a part of the human experience, that um, in studying the human experience mm-hmm. and letting us know how knowing each other can affect our moods. Right. Just knowing each other. Right. And then it almost has an effect on affect mm-hmm. or... or <laughs> yeah. You see that difference yep. there? Yeah, there's a big difference. And then difference. there's a huge difference. And, um, and emotional connectivity mm-hmm. and empathy.
1: Yeah, yeah. So,
0: like, if it's a stranger, you'll have less empathy.
1: Yeah, certainly. And so uh, even, you know, you know, that brings... I think that brings us to an important point of what is an emotion... Um, So I guess, first of all, there is no consensus on what an emotion is and what it is not. Um, Several scholars over the course of time have tried to answer this question. You know, some um, identify uh, these things as mere feelings. Some have said, okay, it's, it's not just that. It's also physiological responses. Building upon that, some have even said it reflects cognitive states. So then people even then have tried to answer the question, well, what's the difference between a cognition and an emotion? What's the difference between affect and emotion? What's the difference between emotion and mood? Mm. Right? And so I think um, these are all questions that have no consensus on them. You know, I, I subscribe to the idea that emotions are discrete, specific things that include feeling, affect, physiological response, um, if I'm fearful, I get sweaty palms, for example, right? Or if I'm sad, I cry, right? And so, like, um, there are, there, these are the different things in which people people have investigated over the course of time. And so I think when, when we look at the communication of emotion, though, um, we see a few things. Uh, I think, one, we can look at voice inflection, you know, yelling, for example, uh certainly is associated with certain emotions versus another, like surprise or fear or anger. Um you know, you know, you can also look at uh nonverbals, nonverbal communication, facial expressions, body posture. Um and so these are different things in which we uh, explore in the field of communication.
0: That is amazing. So what are some major themes that you found in your research?
1: So, yeah, so, um, and so I think one thing that we're finding right now is that emotional contagion does exist when we're communicating, right? I think that was sort of the, kind of the foundational question I needed to ask myself um, and to actually test because when we look at emotional contagion in general, it is very much an interdisciplinary concept. So many fields have investigated it, um, but it originated in psychology and in things like sociology. But in communication, like like I said, there really is not much research on it. And so I sort of had to play around with the idea, hoping it would work out, and fortunately it did. Um, and so one thing that we we're seeing, like I said, is that it is it is occurring when we interact. Um, however, we're seeing it look we're seeing it being experienced in varying degrees when people are interacting. And I think this is part of where social networks comes into play. Who has the cap- Who has the greatest ability to change our emotional states to that of them that, that of themselves? Who is it? The the ones who we're close to. Can it be mere strangers? One study we did, uh, this was last summer, where we looked at uh, we brought strangers into our lab. And you know, for those who may not know, um, our interaction labs in communication studies are set up like a living room scene, <laughs> in which people uh, we just have people have a conversation about whatever study we're doing. And in this particular project, we had people come in and talk about uh, stressors that they've experienced within the last month or so. Um, and our goal was to see if um, people can essentially experience these same negative emotions about these stressors as those whom have who have the stressor. And so we actually had them um, have their conversation either online or face to face about this stressor. And so there was a previous study that came out by uh, Jeff Hancock, who is a professor at uh, Stanford. Um, it looked at emotional contagion via Facebook and, and, and online uh, settings. And so we kind of took it from that logic, too. Um, uh, but we also needed to see if it would happen face-to-face as well. And so we found that it does, right? It does. And, it, and the contagion was greatest among those who reported very severe stressors, those things that are constantly on our mind and require a ton of attention and thought, and also those who uh, had their conversation face-to-face. And so um, the second part of that study was to do a follow-up with the person who was listening to the conversation of the person reporting the stressor to see how long emotional contagion lasts. I think, and now this is where it gets really interesting. It's a really good question. Yeah, because we don't. I, I one of the questions we don't sort of know from really any field um, is how long it lasts. I think the typical answer to that is it happens, it's, it's just short experience, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because you know a lot of the previous research says that emotion, emotional states, are short, micro momentary bursts. I think that's okay. However, I think uh, a better way to probably get at that question is to is to consider it to be a long longer lasting, um, especially when it's when our states are being influenced by others. Many times, someone who we don't know, right? And so, I think um, that's what we sort of did. We did a one hour follow up with that person who was listening to the conversation, and um, and saw that. Uh, the emotion the emotional states closely matched that of during the interaction to the almost to almost they were very close uh, in number and so mean that lets us know that contagion is not necessarily uh, a, a short experience but it can be very long in duration and when we're talking about emotions of course an hour is a is a pretty long period
0: yeah I mean, just think about if you felt anxious or nervous or sad. Mm -hmm. And five minutes feels like too long. Right. And then an hour feels like forever. It's like an eternity.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And so, like, we took, yeah, so that's what we did when we, um, yeah, that's what we did. We looked at those things. And so, there are a few more things coming down the pike that we want to explore. And so, yeah, that's what we're doing. So,
0: what are the goals of your research?
1: So, the goals of the research are to do a couple things. I think number one is I want to make my research translational to lay people, so those so those who are not in the academy, those who don't uh, who don't necessarily have a research background. Uh, I want to make sure that people understand the severity of emotional contagion and its effects, right? Um, while what I've stated thus far mostly looks at the negative experience of emotional contagion. Emotional contagion can very much be a positive thing too. So you can inf- infect someone with happiness, for example, right? So I want people to understand um, what this thing does for them, the individual and communal consequences of these things, right? These things are very important. Um, and so and it goes back to the idea of social networks, your behavior, doesn't just affect you it affects others and perhaps those who you don't even know so yeah
0: yeah and this will this will tie in a little bit later when we talk about spirit in depth more but I want to go into spirit how and when did you become a licensed minister
1: yeah so I became a licensed minister when I was 18. Wow (laughs) wow And so, yeah, I was eighteen years old. um, you know, I felt the calling on my life when I was around thirteen, but I really felt like I really couldn't articulate it at that point. Um I began to sort of feel it again when I was around seventeen, mm-hmm. um and I sort of answered the call when i was when I was eighteen
0: okay. um
1: yeah, it it was a really interesting process for me. um you know, I presented you know the th- you know the calling to my pastor. Who has to be he he or she has to be the one to you know license you and things like that and so like you gotta talk to that person first um, and you know the pastor sat sat me down and asked me like why you know how did these things come about you know what what sort of feelings are you going through right now and so you know um, and it's and it's interesting as someone who studies emotion and now I can articulate what was going on at that time, I felt very anxious and nervous, mm. right? I didn't really, I was like, you know, like, first, like, why me? First of all, like, you know, um, you know, believe it or not, I used to be afraid of public speaking.
0: I can't <laughs> believe it.
1: <laughs> and so I used to not be able to do it. Um, and, I, you know, it, it's it's interesting because I think that, you know, God really has a way of getting the best out of you, you know, for he, what he wants to use you for um, uh, in this life. And so, yeah, these things come about. And I think that ultimately, um, those experiences I had and those feelings, they didn't just apply to, you know, the work of being a minister, but they also applied to my day-to-day work in in the academy as well. And so it's interesting how God just made that work.
0: And just kind of got you on the path, chose you, made you feel anxious. Mm-hmm. And and it's almost like, um, that fear that you feel before jumping into a big pool or something. Yeah. You know, you yep. know did you know that it would be okay though? I um yeah, yeah.
1: You know what I, I mean? sort of Yeah, I, I knew it would be okay. Like, were
0: you already a good swimmer and you can jump <laughs> in there. <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't. I
1: really wasn't. Um you know, my sermons weren't that good. Not that I think that they're They are. They're good. (laughs) They're good. I appreciate it. (laughs) Um, I, I, you know, looking back, you know, I, I know that certainly it was my first time around the block, so to speak. And I had to kind of learn what is it like, how as a minister do I study the word of God? How do I wrestle with the text? That's also very important is to wrestle with the text. Um, and to think about what is scripture saying and, and this particular scripture saying, um, you know, what is it really speaking? I think that's important to take the time to take, to learn that because I think what happens in churches now is that people will, you know, you are all automatically, you know, you're told to automatically accept what the Bible says and that's it. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Finite. Yeah no investigation whatsoever. And I don't believe God wants us to be like that. Um, You know, if you assume that, that God created us in his image, well, as, as human beings, we are, we are very curious and skeptical in nature. Skepticism doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing. It just simply means someone who's investigating a certain matter, right? And so, you gotta investigate what the scripture is saying, because there are people who will twist it and manipulate it, take it all types of way in which that you know, and which is not designed for, right? You know, slave masters I was did that. About
0: to, you're <laughs> in my head doing cartwheels and round-offs right now, like slave
1: masters. Slave masters did just that, right? Exactly. That's just one example of exactly. it. Exactly. Um, and so you gotta in really investigate. Um, and so I went to under, undergrad at Eastern University. And my uh, New Testament professor always said, um, understand the Bible within its context. Um, I can hear him saying it now, understand the Bible in its context, Mm -hmm. right? Which basically just means that, you know, you are understanding scripture in the time in which it was written for sort of who it was for. Now, that together will raise some flags for a lot of people, right? That statement there. Some would say like you're basically arguing that God's word isn't universal or everlasting. We're still living, yeah. like my mom likes to say. Right. And I'm and I'm not saying that at all, right? But there are certain things in which scripture in which we don't do today. For example, if you look at Leviticus, technically, you shouldn't be eating lobsters, shrimp, crab legs, all of that. You shouldn't be technically.
0: And I shouldn't cut my hair either, right? Right.
1: <laughs> And so if 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 we're gonna if we're gonna say God's word is true and we're gonna say that you know the word was inspired by God written by man, we need to sort of take a break and take a step back to say, okay, what was God saying at that time right um you know, I think you also get people who will are are ready to declare these are the end days. Right. Because of what Paul said, you know, Paul was also speaking to people in his time, too. Right. And so, you know, you the way in which one interprets scripture um, really will determine how you go about understanding those things.
0: I wholeheartedly agree with you. Now, do you believe in energy? Because in your research, you found that energy or at least emotional contagion is real Mm -hmm. and that we need to pay attention to how we deal with ourselves and others like do you believe in energy
1: I do I do Um, you know uh, I believe it in the sense that all of us have things in which you know certain vibes that we communicate and that we give off um I wholeheartedly agree with that. You know, it's, it just goes back to the example of, like, the apple spoils the bunch, just like that. Mm. You know, if you walk into a place and, you know, everybody don't want you there, well... You'll feel <laughs> it. You'll feel it. <laughs> right. And so I think, um, yeah, I definitely believe in that. And I think it's very... Uh, emotions and energy is very much contagious, right? Um, it, can, it can be very detrimental to a community, uh, whatever that community is, large or small, right? Uh, it, can, it can ruin a whole office. It can ruin a whole department. Um, and if it gets wild enough, it can influence a whole university, right? And so, uh, again, it can be both good and bad, right? You know, good energy is very productive, right? It's very productive for people. Um, I think research does find emotional energy in general, um, has ability to in- influence people's workspaces, increase productivity, reduce conflict. Uh, I'm thinking about, um, Segal who's a professor at the University of Pennsylvania in the Wharton Business School. Her model of group, group emotional contagion explores just that. Wow. Right. And so, um, yeah, I think that's important.
0: You know, I did, and I, w- I want to say experiment, but it, it feels like an experiment, but it was actually an activity, an activity in grad school called Energy Line, and mm. I was and I was studying theater. So you line up as many people as you can, like between five and 10 people in a, in a straight line, have each of them turn their back, hmm. choose one person out of the line, to be the energy giver, hmm. have them give all of their energy to one person in the line. And then if, when everybody's in sync, you can kind of see people sway a little bit. You kind of like watch them move a bit. Hmm. And then you have everybody raise their hand in the direction in which they think the energy is going. Hmm. And nine times out of 10, they're right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's interesting. And the
0: person who that was chosen raises their hand. Like, I think it's me
1: yeah you know I think that's interesting. I think that sort of gets at part of the contagion experience too is just that people uh tend to mimic each other's behaviors consciously and unconsciously, right? There's one author, one scholar he refers to it as the chameleon effect mm. right um, he likes the chameleon effect simply because um it sort of blends in with its environment
0: mm-hmm. right
1: um and i think that's true which uh, you know it happens unconsciously and consciously you know if i'm at a hawkeye game for example um you know perhaps when we are at the end of the first quarter if you raise your phone to the children's hospital one can assume that it is more of a non-deliberate unconscious thing in the, in the sense that it's you're intentionally participating, but mentally you may not be intentionally participating. You just do it because everyone else is sort of doing mm-hmm. it. It kind of reminds me of uh, the one thing I hate when I hear people do this, vocal fry. Have you heard of that? Tell me about it. Oh, Lord have mercy. So vocal fry <laughs> is a phenomenon um, in which people, I don't even like doing it, People will um, alter their voices, uh-huh. th- like, uh, like that. I like, uh,
0: yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about. In
1: um, in order to, and it's it's sort of like fit in. It's part of a culture. Uh, it's sort of like, really, it's like the
0: Kardashians kind like of like that. The yeah, is
1: exactly like them. Yeah, yeah. And so it, it's 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 annoying to me, but people do it, it's it's a part of mimicry, right? Some some of which may be unconscious um, and non-deliberate. And so I think it's interesting, though.
0: That is interesting. Yeah. And speaking of the Kardashians who love black people. Oh, God. And I do, too, because I am that. Um, there is a lot of tragedy and triumph in the Black community. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on religion and spirituality in the Black community? Are we coming closer or farther away from God and Jesus?
1: Um, that 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 is a tough question. I think, um, I guess, to to the answer to the first part, you know, I think, really, in in America, Christianity has been the number, really, kind of the only thing. Um, the black church has been really the only thing that black people can really put their stamp on to say, this is mine, Mm. right? And this is ours, right? And so um, I think the black church has been very influential in changing society, right? Um, The movements that we know most well have started in the black church, right? So um, I think black people will always have a strong connection to Christianity simply because of that. Um, and so I think overall, as I mean, as black people, are we moving or getting closer away from Christ? Um, I think that's uh, to be determined. Um, I think that one thing you'll find is when I talk to a lot of people my age, um, I'm 26, by the way, I'm a millennial, right? <laughs> uh, I don't even like the... The, the term millennial, yeah, it's cool. I mean,
0: mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, we're in the millennia. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I whatever. guess <laughs> um, it don't bother me one way or another. Um, but <laughs> I think, funny.
1: I think um, a lot of people are leaving the church mm-hmm. because a lot of the things in which has go have gone on in church that have necessarily not been either been appropriate, not have been appropriate, or have caused you know significant emotional, physical or psychological damage and so I think um, you know you constantly hear a term called church hurt right oh yeah church hurt is a is a thing and so um, I think that those things are I think we should definitely recognize those experiences as being real experiences and so and figure and, and it's the church's job church universally. To figure out how to, you know, reconcile that, one and two, how to not let it happen again. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that it's tough to work through those types of situations, and you know, and people don't want to. Oftentimes, don't want to go to church because of that, and I think that's very important to to recognize again. How you interpret Scripture will kind of determine how you uh, address this this problem. Mm-hmm. If you if, if you attribute it to it's the end of days, like many people, well then you're sort of in that spot, mm-hmm. right? End of days, people turning their back on God, type of thing. You're you're going to stay there, um, and that's sort of it. But if you can recognize mm-hmm. that you know that church is a human institution right? It's very much a human institution. You have people running churches, like God isn't running churches, right? He's not playing the organ. He's not preaching on Sunday, right? So it's people running these institutions. And so um, people are people, people do things that are wrong. So how do we rectify that, right? And so, I mean, I think ultimately, to answer your question, it's to be determined. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that you know, there is, there, is some, there is God in all of us. Uh, that's what I believe. Um, uh, even if you, you know, don't necessarily profess his name, I think that for the most part, generally speaking, we all have, you know, God in us. Um, you know, but when you accept Jesus Christ, I believe, you know, that, that then just becomes kind of magnified, right? Uh, but I believe we all have the seeds of God in us.
0: And I'm going to pause you right there with the seeds of God in all of us and bring us all the weather. So currently, or at least a few minutes ago, it was 25 degrees outside. It is dark, so I can't see if it's cloudy or not, but uh, 25 degrees Fahrenheit and it's just cold, man. I don't know what else to say. It's cold, but I won't complain because it will get colder. So, okay. Next question is, <laughs> do you think that without the institution of slavery, so many black Americans would be Christian or would we be a different religion?
1: Um. Yeah, that's a really good question too. I think, so. so I think part of it, Part of, you know, what went on in slavery was that um, that people were...
0: Manipulated?
1: Yeah, were manipulated into Christianity. Bamboozled? Yeah, went. all of that, right? And so <laughs> I think, um, yeah, no, I think that's a hard question to answer. I'm not really sure, honestly. Mm-hmm. But I think one thing that is true is people have over time... Um, been a part of Christianity, not so much from their from their own will, but um, but from people forcing them to, right? And so you know you can even say that you know parents who you can address the problem, not necessarily the problem, but the issue of parents taking forcing their children to go to church, right? And so perhaps that has something to do with it too. Like yeah. I'm a Christian because my family went to church and, you know, my grandmother went to church and her grandmother went to church and so on and so forth. So I think certainly perhaps people, you know, slavery has brought us closer to God in a weird way, that, in that way, right? Certainly. Yeah. Um, but I think that, you know, everyone has their free will Um you know ex- excluding slavery yeah. right when I said you know um have us their free will to you know be a part of Christ um for the most part and so and i think one thing to recognize is in america we are very fortunate we are very blessed to be able to have that will because in other countries um not so much mm-hmm. right you know you you can get killed for wanting to go to church or even having a bible in your hand mm-hmm. Um, or even saying the name of Jesus Christ. And so I think uh, in America, we are very blessed. um, Despite our flaws, um, our many flaws in America, we are very blessed to actually be able to have these opportunities. And so, yeah.
0: And I'm so glad that you brought up the the forced aspect and thinking about people from generations past that have been going to church their Mm -hmm. whole lives Mm -hmm. and then put it on you because I learned in undergrad that it's possible that religion can be passed down genetically through Mm -hmm. generations. What do you think about that?
1: I've never heard that before, honestly. Um, I've never heard that. Well, here you go. Um, I'm trying to think. And it
0: almost makes sense, though. I mean, if you think about it, like, um, if you think about emotional contagion, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You think about how long that can last amongst people that, that you know. Right. And then you think about a, a household that you're in with people that you know all the time. Right. And then they're doing these practices, mm-hmm. you know, for your entire existence, their entire existence, and then the existence of their parents before them, it makes sense to plant that seed if if not psychologically Mm-hmm. Genetically mm-hmm. into your future spawn,
1: right? Yeah, Um no, that's interesting because then if, to me, if that's sort of the then case, then it
0: really takes kind of choice away a little bit.
1: Yeah, if that's the case, then I then I feel like you know you would also have to consider if if hate if hatred or racism is biological.
0: Could be. <laughs> could
1: be. And so like I think I think uh I, I I I don't have an answer to that. I don't know. I really don't I don't know. I would have to think about that more. Um but, chew on that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I will have to chew on that to see if uh, to, I would even have to do my own research to see what some studies have found about, you know, religion being passed down genetically. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know, but you know, as someone who studies social behavior, you know I, I mean i certainly my my skepticism will be high right um because you know part of understanding social behavior part of it is that you know we're sort of our own individual beings who get our own behavior to a degree to a degree and so like it's really hard to kind of uh, for me to sort of wrap my mind around that possibility mm. i'm not saying it's not um i just certainly would have to do more uh, research on that matter yeah um it's interesting though
0: i mean it almost feels like my spirituality at least i can't i don't. i don't know if my religion specifically but me being a very spiritual person has a lot to do with my family Hmm. because most of my family my immediate family are very spiritual people my mom's a pastor Mm -hmm. you know my aunt's a doctor but she also does she does Eastern and Western practices. Mm. So it's like, you know, and she believes in the the whole person. Right. And in treating, you know, not just the ailment but everything that goes into it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like so and we, you know, we pray, we love God, we all meditate, we all like we all do this stuff. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like in my family it just is.
1: Right, right. And I think I think meditation and prayer is important right Mm -hmm. so you know i think what you'll find in scripture is that you know the bible says you know meditate on god's word right so um i think there i think what you'll find is that those who are more traditional in their faith not conservative but traditional in the sense of i follow the word for word what the bible says exactly to a t right um I think for many folks like that the idea of sitting still and meditating is not necessarily biblical. Um mm. uh, but you're supposed to meditate on God's word. Now, that being said though, I mean of course meditation is 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 more of a whole no pun intended, more of a holistic type of thing. Yeah. Um and, and as it is in its practices, as it is in its in its in its, in its behavior too. Meditation is not just sitting and reading the Bible all day, right? And I think, again, you have to understand things within its context. There's no way, unless you're in seminary all day, <laughs> right? you reading the Bible all day as an individual who has a job.
0: How is that productive?
1: How is that productive, and how is that even possible? You'll get fired in a heartbeat because mm-hmm. you're not doing no work, right? And so... It's
0: about being earthly good or finding your earthly goodness as well.
1: Yeah, I believe that too. You know, I, I just think that there's more to this Christian experience than just what's in, in the Bible, right? Um, some people will disagree with that statement, but I think there's more to it. You have to um you have to understand your role and place on earth more than just picking up the scripture and that's it. Right? Mm-hmm. I think you have to understand who you are as an individual um and the play in the role in which you play in society um the place in which God has called you to be um right so like for example I'm I'm from Philadelphia never would I have thought in a million years I live in Iowa I know, right? right but it's no. so sweet right I and, love
0: this place
1: yeah I like I know, the it's, place it's, it's interesting
0: uh, but I love I really it's just
1: Sweet, like, yeah, sweet. I I mean, I, I've grown to love it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think wherever God places you, right, there's a reason why you, he has you there. And so yeah, I think your job then is to make sure you live in such a way that it's productive, not just to the kingdom of God, but also to society. And I believe those two things in tandem – is what God wants us for is wants for us. Because um, to me, you, you can't go around, you know, raising hell and call yourself a Christian at the same time. <laughs> I, I just don't think that's okay. Yeah. If you're making other people's lives miserable, you know, those whom you work with, those who you live with, etc., cetera, um, and then call yourself a Christian and want to recite scripture, uh that's not that's not that's not a that's not the way it should be. Yeah. So We're
0: not called here to be drama filled.
1: No, no, indeed. And so, but I think we're called to make sure that the place that we're at is is better when we leave than what we found it in.
0: I can dig that.
1: That's it. That's it. And it doesn't necessarily have to be this big, grandiose thing. It can be, you know, you know, your presence and can can be the piece that that department or that job needs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know the leadership that God has called you to perhaps that's what's missing where you're at then you know it's your job to essentially figure that out and figure out what and how God wants you to navigate in that situation I think that's important um, and that's and that's the way I go about you know my faith um, yeah I'm not someone who's going to quote scripture at you all day um, <laughs> that's just not how I operate it's not how I you know, conduct ministry, um, I don't think that's, you know, quite okay, actually. I think that has more harm than good. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't know scripture. I'm not saying that. But every word out of my mouth is not Jesus, 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 Jesus. That's just not, that's just not it, right? It just doesn't. How work. is that relatable? Right. It, you know. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. Um, and it's virtually almost impossible. And I think those who have that approach, or are, 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 it can lead to an obsession, right? You know, uh, I think when we look at love in general, love, you know, for Greeks have as it has many different terms. You know, for those of us more and so in the Western world, we have one word for love, and
0: that's it. That's it, right? Love. <laughs> uh, but you
1: know, the Greeks have several different types of love, and so, uh, and so one of them is is mania. Hmm. That's where we get get the word maniac, which means like crazy or some type of obsession, Mm -hmm. right? And so I think people, especially I think you can get really caught up in that sort of mania when you are um, interpreting the Bible in certain ways in which it doesn't really call for. You know, um, I need to quote scripture every other day, every other minute rather. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I need to say Jesus out of my mouth every time. My you know, I need to tell you what the word I need to tell every person what the word says. And I don't I don't think Jesus wants us to love him that way, right? Mm. I think what's interesting is that when we look at Jesus Christ and who he is, there are uh similar qualities about him that are in us too. Most people anyway <laughs> wouldn't want someone of obsessing over them right
0: um I'm giving a very big face <laughs> right now I'm like uh uh-huh. uh. right right
1: <laughs> and so in, in in however that looks right you know uh imagine it as someone who you know like you were in high school and you found someone that you liked right you write their name, all write their name. The right everywhere Um you nowadays you text them all day. You text your friends about them all day. Mm -hmm. Every other word out your mouth is that person's name. I think it's a similar thing. Mm. Um you can be so in love with something that you drive yourself crazy. Um and that the love itself is crazy. And I think, you know, people Christians, I think we just have to be very careful of getting to that point. You know, I I just don't think Jesus wants us to, to be like that.
0: Yeah, I don't think Jesus wants us all to walk around like maniacs. Right. <laughs>
1: just right. in
0: general, because then that's just not productive. No, not at no. all. Where's the balance in that?
1: Exactly. And so in, in you have to really, uh, yeah, you as a Christian, you really got to watch that, mm-hmm. you know, uh, because I think— when we first, many times when we first come to Christ. Oh,
0: yeah, it's so exciting. It's so exciting, right? And enticing. Right. And you want everybody to feel like you. Right. And you could feel this way if only you believed what I believe. Right, And do what I do. Exactly. And here's everything. Right. But then you kind of calm down a little bit. Yeah, and so, you know, (laughs) it's it's, it's interesting.
1: You know, I, I think that we all, you know, I think we all have a place in, you know, in this world, um, to understand who Christ is, um, you know. But the interesting thing is, I also have, I have some my people that some of the people I care about the most are not Christian. Same. Those who I'm, you know, people who I'm really close to,
0: especially living in a college town.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, you want to get a lot of that for sure. Oh yeah. And so, like those who I, you know, I really care about the most, those who've had great impacts on my life, both, you know, personally and professionally. Don't necessarily identify as Christian; they identify as Muslim or Buddhist. Um, and so, I think we just need to have open dialogue about what you know these things are, um, and to, and be very careful in deeming one one thing not as not holy or sanctified. Um, because you, I mean, you really, I think, I think Jesus really set a good example of essentially reaching across the aisle, so to speak, um, with those who didn't necessarily believe the same things in which he did. Um, and I think that's what we're also called to do as well. It doesn't necessarily have to be spiritual, right? You know, reaching across the aisle with those who disagree with us about racism, disagree with us about, you know, sexuality. Any any matter, really, is what I think what we're called to do. Now, is it easy? Absolutely not. Because a lot of these issues we are very passionate about, and and for good reason, um, but I think that's what Jesus wants us to do—to be able to you know talk to those who don't look like us or who don't believe the same things that we do, um, and to see how we find common ground. You know, your job isn't necessarily to convert them. Right, you don't need to be saved a thousand souls before you go to heaven. <laughs> um, you don't it, I, and and you know, that's sort of I don't know. I think people place numbers on things. Uh
0: Jeez Louise.
1: Yeah, people place numbers on things and I'm just like, why? Yeah, it doesn't matter. It right, there's no cap. Yeah. Right, you know, it, there's no <laughs> you know, I I and I just don't believe that. Mm-hmm. Um Again, some, some people will disagree with that wholeheartedly. I mean, I think I'd rather see a sermon lived out by your behavior and your actions than hear one. Um, that's an old quote um, that I stole from someone that I've heard. I
0: was like, whoa. <laughs> that, that I've heard. Really
1: cool. I actually don't know who came up with it. I've heard preachers say it before mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and something I grew up hearing all the time. And so I um, that's something I try to live by. You
0: know, I so ch- you were Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. So earlier you were talking about the importance of tussling with the scripture. Yeah. And and that it's OK to question. Mm-hmm. So how does that look, though, like questioning, questioning God or I mean, I know what it looks like for me. Yeah. Going to your pastor, if you have a question or yeah. a pastor or. Um, or to the synagogue or whatever yeah. I mean synagogue or where, wherever you need to go yeah. and ask the people that know things about you know the book or the walk that you want to walk mm-hmm. and then they can answer questions or yeah. even meditate or I don't know what do you think
1: I think uh, so for me as a minister um, you know some some will deem that to be a problem right mm-hmm. and, I've, and I've had several conversations with people about that you know, those who are more seasoned in ministry than I am about that. And many people disagree with it. You shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't question God. And again, I'm not sure. Uh, I, I don't see how that's fruitful or beneficial at all. You know, when I say questioning God, I'm thinking like, you know, why? Why would God say this as opposed to that? Mm. Right? And so I think asking the question why is important. It's not so much of I think people confuse like asking questions with doubt. Agreed. And and that's not that's not necessarily what the what what it is, at least not in my case. But I'm just trying to investigate more about what God is doing in this particular particular scripture, right? And so because there's more if you want to make the claim that the Bible is something that always gives a word and it's always refreshing, well, that well runs up dry if you stop asking questions, right? That's sort of how I see it. Mm. And so you got to figure out, I think all of us need to figure out, how to ask deep, challenging questions, right? Again, because you can get very complacent in your faith just by going to church every Sunday because grandma went to church every Sunday. Mm -hmm. And that's just what you do. Right, you can get very complacent. And I and I don't operate like that. Um, those who know me well enough know I that is not how I operate. If something isn't working, then I'm not gonna I'm gonna stop doing it.
0: That's good, that's gross.
1: Right. I'm I'm gonna stop that's doing maturity. it. Yeah, right. And I think
0: that's the opposite of stagnation.
1: Right. And I think as Christians we have to do the same, right? We have to figure out even some of our church practices universally, why do we do them? Right? I think it is also the job of parents to illustrate why we go to church, mm-hmm. like why do we worship God on Sunday, right? Why can't it be Saturday? Why can't it be Friday, right? Some of it, some of some of these answers to these questions, don't aren't necessarily rooted in Scripture, but are actually come from very practical human experiences. The reason why we have communion once a month in a Protestant church. It is simply because back then, back in the day, it took the bishop a long time to go to everyone's churches to administer communion. And so by the time he essentially got around to you, it was was once a month. month. Mm -hmm. So there you go. Right? So, like, (laughs) and we also have to examine these practices also to see if this is still what God wants us to do right? In this way. Um, we have to, yeah, we have to consider all of that now. And I think if you are a leader of any organization, right, no matter what it is, these are questions you must ask yourself in order for your organization to continue to run and be productive and things like that. Um, church is the same exact way. Why are we doing what we're doing? Um, and, and, are we, is there a, is there a way in which God wants us to do something different for right now? And I think, um, yeah, we have to ask ourselves those things. Otherwise, we will be you know se- we will be stuck in a serious problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and perhaps this is why a lot of millennials stop going to church now. Perhaps that's one reason why.
0: A lot of millennials I found are moving more towards the I'm spiritual, not religious. Yeah, train.
1: yeah, yeah, and I I hear that. I, I hear it. I'm
0: sure you hear it a lot. You know,
1: and I and I feel it. I get it. You know, because uh, if you have if you have people who are just all about the religiosity of it and not so much the spiritual aspect, again, you need you go you gonna quote scripture to me, and this is you tell me what I should be doing, but the way in which you behave doesn't reflect the scripture, then, then what's the point? Mm-hmm. And if you grow up seeing a lot of that.
0: Hypocrisy.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then that's sort of going to be your perception. Mm-hmm. And I think this kind of goes back to what I said earlier. As a church, then, it is our job now to recognize these these problems, address these issues, and try our hardest to make sure they don't happen again.
0: Yeah. Facts. Yeah. And it's like, if you questioning helps you to continue to learn, mm-hmm. and as long as you continue to learn, you continue to grow. Yeah. When you stop learning, you stop growing.
1: Yeah, and and that's it. You know, I think it's it's the same it's the same thing, and you know my daily my daily work as a graduate student um, and as a researcher always asking questions mm-hmm. if I if I don't if I stop asking questions then I have no research to do mm-hmm. <laughs> right it's a, literally I really do, yeah it's I really based ha- on that it's based mark. on that yeah <laughs> it's based on inquiry mm-hmm. and I and I always ask myself uh, myself a question you know um and I, and I, I, I believe that's what God has called us to do mm-hmm. continue to ask questions mm-hmm. um and I I think it's just uh misleading to say that Shouldn't question God, um, as in you shouldn't question a parent, right? Parents do the same thing many ways, right? They'll say, "Do something because I told you to do it." Okay, but there's a reason why he told me to do it. Isn't isn't just the fact that you just came up with this idea out of nowhere? Is it for my well-being? Is it for whatever other reason? But there's a reason for why. Mm-hmm. And so we have to, with, our, with, with the word of God, we must ask these questions too. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. So what do you do creatively? We know that you love research. Mm-hmm. We know that you, you love at least doing some kind of surveys. Yeah. And <laughs> experiments with people. But what else do you do creatively?
1: Um, so I uh, I'll be honest with you. I'm not a very creative person. However, one hobby that I do have that I really enjoy, it's a little weird. Um, I actually, um, I, I love to look at financial stuff. Um, in particular, like credit cards, I play the credit card game. Um, I love getting credit card points <laughs> for my stuff cause I want to travel for free. Mm-hmm. Um, of course you have to build up the points to, to eventually get to that point. But like, yeah, I love looking up that stuff, um, I'm all about the gamification of credit cards. Uh, I think it's, 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 it's certainly classism. <laughs> I will, I will say that it is classism because there's certain people who can't, you know, afford premium credit cards, mm-hmm. uh, and certain people who can't even get to that point based off a credit score. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so it is classism. But my goal is to learn more about these things so I can inform others who. Who grew up like me, who are in the same social um, social environment as I am, to also like learn these things too, to say like, hey, you know, no matter where you come from you can also get this opportunity as well. And so, um, you too
0: can fly for free.
1: That's right. That sounds like a good, that sounds like a good Southwest ad. That's a good Southwest ad. Unfortunately, Southwest doesn't come to Cedar Rapids. You have to drive to Des Moines. Oh, geez Louise. Yeah. I love Southwest though. But, um, but you know, I think, yeah, I think this is very important stuff, you know, especially for black, for black people, you Mm -hmm. know, to make sure that your finances are correct and in order. Um, Yeah, and to make sure that you'll be able to afford the things in which you want to afford in this life. And I believe that's also part of what God has called us to do, to be able to enjoy the pleasures of life. You know, um, I think as a Christian, I'm not so focused on heaven as much as I am living. Mm -hmm. Because you can easily be so heavenly-minded that you're no earthly good, as the saying goes, right? Agreed. If you're if you're quote if, if you're quoting having having, having all day but have not done nothing to help someone else live better then what's the point
0: where can people find you
1: so you can find me on Instagram Facebook Twitter um, Twitter my Twitter and Instagram handles are calm at calm and emotion calm comm and emotion Um It's just simply short for communication and emotion, which is what I study. So you can find me there. Find me on Facebook. uh, My Facebook name is Lance Kyle Bennett. Um, And so, yeah, you can find me there. Feel free to add me and follow.
0: Well, thank you so much, Lance Bennett, for being on the show. Those are all the questions that I have for you.
1: Thank you so much. I'm
0: sure that you have inspired other people to question the things that they don't know everything about. Right. And to continue to grow. Yeah and to continue to be, you know, positive beacons of light in their communities hopefully.
1: That's right. That's right. Yeah, I um that's that's what we're called to do. So, let's do it.
0: All right, let's do it. Yeah. And that's all the time that we have here at A Moment with Divine. Tune in next week, Thursday at 5 p.m. for more on spirituality, creativity, and livelihood. And remember, your energy can be contagious. It's important to know what kinds of vibes you're spreading around. Until next time, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Divine. That's D-I-V-I-I-N dm me with show topics suggestions and comments thank you for listening to krui fm 89.7 iowa city sound alternative until next time take care of yourselves and each other
1: support for krui is brought to you in part by the broken spoke they offer new and used bicycles cycling accessories and also service all kinds of bikes they can be found in iowa city at their new address 757 south gilbert street